millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And Metairn issuing that yellow warning for rain and wind until 9 o'clock this evening. And if you're along the coast, to take extra care. Gale force winds and damaging gusts along our coast, especially in the morning uh, rather than later in the day. So take care if you are travelling in coastal areas this morning. Uh, good morning to you. It is uh, bad weather-wise with plenty to come between now and 1. Our lines are open. Bernie taking your comments and calls 0818 103 103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Very shortly, discussing what was said at a homily in a Sunday Mass in Listowel. Also on the programme, redundancy notices have been issued to workers at Zenith Energy. They run the Whitty Oil Terminal. This has been raised by Cork South West Deputy Michael Collins. And we'll chat with him and we'll also chat about more on fines for burning turf. That to come, the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork, they have seen an increase in demand for its service. So we'll speak to them on the show this morning. And families are again turning to moneylenders due to the cost of living. But also with Christmas approaching, it's not just one moneylender families are turning to, it's several. And Katrina Toomey of Penny Dinners has been hearing this firsthand. She'll join us on the programme this morning and the Irish folk band Keol they'll join us in studio ahead of their debut album launch which is this Friday you'll be familiar with this band if you listen to our Irish shows here on C103 uh, they're up and coming it's Nathan Carter was the brainchild behind this band uh, they sing a lot of the old Irish folk songs giving them a, a new modern twist as well there's four lads from right across Ireland in this band and they'll join us live in studio later in the programme plus after 12.30 gardening advice Peter Dowdall will be along even though it's not a great day to be out in the garden but still if you have a question for Peter get those into us he'll join us after 12.30 so that and more to come and our lines are open 0818 103 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103-103. But the Catholic Bishop of Kerry has apologised for a homily delivered at a Sunday Mass in Listowel in which a priest slammed transgenderism and homosexuality as sinful. In his homilies at St Mary's Church in Listowel, the retired priest, Father Sean Sheehy, he also hit out at the HSE for handing out condoms to young people. While well, a number of parishioners who were at that Mass did walk out during his homily 
and one of those was Del O'Sullivan and this is what she said uh, that she was just stunned by what she was hearing uh, from the altar. But then started to talk about our gay community and our transgender community. It took him about 10 minutes to get there and I decided I had had enough so I got up and I walked out and then a few minutes after I went outside um, men and women came out but three women came out very upset that is Della Sullivan, one of those who left the church due to what she was hearing in that homily last Sunday in Listowel. Well, Killer-based Father Tim Hazelwood joins me. Good morning to you, Father Tim. Good morning, John Paul. Your initial feeling when you heard this news? My initial feeling was total disgust. Um, I thought we had moved away from that outlook uh, towards people. Like the sad thing was that it, 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 I think it was last Sunday this happened. The gospel reading of last Sunday was the story of Zacchaeus, who was a notorious sinner and a tax collector, and he swindled people every chance he could. And you know the story, lovely story. If he goes up, a small man goes up a tree, and Jesus notes him and calls him down and goes and eats in his house and does a huge change. It's a, a beautiful story of love and tolerance and forgiveness. And then to hear this, like this is, like I think you'll need to look at the context. The poor parish priest of Listowel went off for a weekend, and and this is the um, the outcome of a shortage of priests. He probably was frantic to try and get somebody to fill in for him. I don't know this Father Sheedy. I never came across him. Interestingly, he's retired a long time. He doesn't look that old from the United States. He's um, and he was around, available and was asked to say the Mass, and this is what he comes out with. He uses the opportunity, the microphone, uh, to hurt people, which I think is just uh, terrible. And as you say, the Catholic Church has moved on from those views over the last number of years, and many priests uh, do so much good work in our communities, and people recognise that, that in times of crisis, the Church is there for them. But are you fearful when you mentioned that Father Sheehy did step in uh, for the regular priest who does conduct and say Mass in Listowel? Are you fearful that this could happen again if you have certain priests out there who are retired and have this view? Well, I suppose, like... There's another deeper issue, not just on the content of what he says, and that is the, the use of the pulpit uh, to, to, to put forward very strong views. Like, society around the world, if you look at Brazil at the moment, and Sweden, it's become, uh, and in so Romania, Bulgaria, very polarised, in Britain as well, the right and the left, and our language has become very confrontational. And it's become more black and white. And, and we've, this in the church, this has always been part of the church. People would prefer if things were black and white. And the reality is life is not black and white. Sexuality isn't black and white. You know, um, all, many, all issues, there's grey areas. And that's, Pope Francis is pushing synodality. And that's a way that we engage with, with, with each other. And that's very respectful. It listens, it engages, it doesn't hurt people. And that's why, like, uh, with this man, I don't know how you'd engage with, with a man like that who just didn't care, who just, this is the truth, you take it, like it or lump it. We've moved on from that. That doesn't represent uh, the church or the priests who say Mass each weekend. 
Well, the homily is supposed to usually reflect on, as you mentioned there, the gospel and mm. uh, what's in the gospel or, you know, thinking about the community if there was something tragic happened on that week or relaying some religious message. But this was basically like preaching uh, of what that person thought and that person's views. I mean, even when he outlines and hits out at the HSC for handing out condoms to young people, many would say that it was a responsibility. You know, that th- that is showing young people the responsibility of carrying condoms if they are on a night out and you have the HSC doing this, you have the sexual centres right across Ireland who you can go online, register your details and they'll post condoms out to you for free. So, you know, these days that will be seen as responsible. Uh, but if you have people like this still within the Catholic Church, even though he is retired... Uh, I know now he's going to be more or less removed. He won't be saying mass again from what's coming out in the last 30 minutes. But how do you get rid of that uh, kind of society? You, but I didn't hear what that now, that what you just said there. That's new to me. But I don't think any priest in Kerry would be asking him to say mass again. Well, yeah. No, yeah. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> if they would value their peace of mind. But like, if he had something to say about the value of the human person and human sexuality, you can put it in a way... That some uh, he, he was just being political, naming the HSC, all this kind of stuff. Mm. If you want to get in, did you, uh, is the is the pulpit on a Sunday when families are there to uh, to worship to come to mass? Is that the place for that? I don't think so. No, I think that's an abuse. Yeah, and especially when you have families gospel. and young children there. It's it's Absolutely. definitely not the place. No. But as you mentioned that, then a lot of listeners are reacting since we spoke that we were discussing this uh, with Ken on our breakfast show on the preview. Uh, listeners are saying that why none of them are agreeing with what Father Sheehy said, but he is mm-hmm. saying when it comes to the teaching of the Catholic Church, he is not far wrong. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of describe it, but should the Catholic Church hold a type of referendum like, you know, countries uh, hold a referendum to change aspects of their constitution does the Catholic Church need to update his teachings when priests come out saying something like this Mm -hmm. to reflect the church of today so he can say this is what is in the Catholic Church teachings well first of all I suppose we're we're not a political movement and shouldn't be a political movement Mm -hmm. but I've mentioned already about we're holding a synod and the synod is a new that Pope Francis is promoting It, it should have begun in the 60s after Vatican II but it was stopped at source, there was powerful people who didn't want it to happen. And part of that is for you listen to the people. Like the synodal document that came from the people of Ireland that was sent to Rome reflected, you know, a people who moved on from the old understanding of the human person. It was very tolerant of difference, very tolerant of people of different sexual orientations and wanted the church to reflect that and to include people, to be inclusive. So, and... Like, I don't think a referendum is a way because referendums are, again, yes, no, black, white. Synodality is about discerning. It's about listening to each other, not taking positions that are not willing to listen or move from. And together we can engage and um, get a consensus guided by God's spirit. You see, our understanding of the human person has changed. Modern science and psychology teaches it, has taught that what we thought was the makeup, it, we don't have all the facts. Things have changed, and the church needs to reflect that. We were wrong before about our understanding of the universe, our understanding of the world, and people at that time, many centuries ago, suffered because of their progressive thinking. And I think we're at a, a stage now where that new understanding must be reflected within the church. 
And while the bishop has come out and apologised, and mm. many priests have said the same, and even you have said yes. no, the Catholic Church now has moved away from that, and it doesn't hold those mm. views for those involved as a priest and others who you know. I mean, does this again show and shine a negative light? over the church because Father Sheehy has come out and he is staying with his comments. He's not shying away from them. Oh, yeah. He believes in what he said and he's at the. he also said at the end, he claims anyway at the end of the, of the Mass that people actually applauded him and came into the sarcastry afterwards and congratulated him for what he said while then others did walk out. So is it again one of these stories that's going to shine a negative light over this church for just one priest? The reality also, John Paul, is that within society, whether they're church members or not, there are people who would support him. That's a mm. fact. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. that is a fact. So it, it's within society we need to look at and, 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 and kind of um, bring people on to give them a better understanding. You know, it's very easy to take a, a set position and not listen to anybody else. That's the truth and that's it. Very easy. But as we know in life, it's not that easy. So it's a society problem. It is going to be a big problem for the church because many people will use this now as a stick to beat the church. And, and, and rightly so. Like, that kind of stuff shouldn't happen. It shouldn't. And there are priests who also would support his view, who take the same view, but who probably wouldn't be as... Um, as vocal? As vocal as but are they? Are. And they're not retired? And they're not retired, no. But they would not go up on a pulpit on a Sunday and say that? Not like that, but they would hold the same view. But it is, but like that's that's reflective of society. And you can't change their view. Well, what the synod is on about that we come together, we engage, and we we listen to each other, and we tease out and try and get a um, a, a better understanding. But I would go back to the gospel. Did Jesus do that? Did he condemn like that? Did he speak like that about people? He didn't. Yeah, it's more of a Catholic thing than the Gospel, though, isn't it? The Catholic Church kind of changed a lot of what was in the Gospel and what maybe what would have happened uh, yes. back in the day in the Middle East. So, you know, yes. what, what Jesus did what, isn't reflected in the Catholic Church. Yes, and that's what I think the Synod will be looking at. Yeah. You know, is, is um, a more tolerant, understanding way of... Well, the Synod is a process. It's, it's, it's a new way of doing things. And that stuff that he did off the altar is not part of it. At all, and as you say, while some priests uh, who are not retired might agree, the majority, and uh, oh, by so. who's what I see here coming into us, and mm. uh, the, the, as, as the Catholic Bishop of Kerry has come out and yes. apologised, the majority would not agree with him. Not at all. No, no. Yeah, well, I wouldn't kind of behavior. behavior. They're good people who try to do their best, but you have some people who get up on their hobby horse and don't care. It seems. Yeah, and the other thing is, it's no one's business what someone does with their own life. If you're, well, what really hurts me know. is that the hurt caused to families. That's you know, yeah, that, yeah. Like here again, there are scars. That how do you heal? You know, people who who gay people, people transgender people, oh, and it, the church is put up then as the one who hates them, and that's further from the truth from the gospel. Further from it. 
and it just gives a, a bad perception again Absolutely. of the church and the work that priests do. And as I said, you know, yeah. so many people are saying that priests, and, and it's right at times of crisis, we see this, we saw this yeah. in Donegal and Krishla a few weeks ago, how everybody rallied around and it was the church they went to. And, you know, when oh. you hear this story, then it just, again, gives a bad impression Absolutely. where you're all affected and it's just mm-hmm. one person saying that. But again, you know, as people are saying, who, who cares? I mean, if someone is gay, they're gay. It's not his business to say or point anything out. If the HSC are handing out condoms on the streets in Charlie, so be it. That's, in my view, would be responsible. So why bring that into the church? It's nobody's business what people do in their own life. I just, I can't figure out why people get so well, worked church, up over those things. The, the church can guide people, can show a way, you know, and that there is, a, there is church moral teaching. Yeah, but in the you right know, direction. Which, yeah, but it what guides people. And, and like, if we want to shove that down people's throat, well, then that's not the kind of religion yeah. I want to be, you know, associated with, you know. Yeah, true. If people choose, we, we educate. That's the way, not on a Sunday to be abusing a position on your hobby horse when the gospel says the opposite of that day about being tolerant and understanding. Okay, well, Father Tim, thank you for taking time out this morning and and speaking to us. I know you're you're, you're busy and you have mass to say soon, so we thank you for talking to us and uh, best of luck to yourself. Thank you. Take care. Father Tim Hazelwood uh, from the parish of Killa in uh, East Cork. Your views are welcome. 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. On this, Michael says, Are people shocked that this has always been the position of the Catholic Church? Nothing new here. He has not gone off script because if you were Catholic then he may speak for you as long as you remain a member. Is it time for people to consider leaving their membership of the church? While Emma says, this is the status quo now of the church and here are we sending our children to Catholic-run schools. While Shane says, yes, people walked out. It was no harm. This would not have happened 30 years ago. I do agree with Father Tim and it's only a minority in the church have these views. I think the majority of priests do fantastic work. And as you mentioned, JP, in times of crisis, funerals and weddings, where do people turn to? Only the church. Uh, be that if you're Church of Ireland, Catholic or whatever, people do turn to the church. So I think we should remember this and remember that the majority of priests don't hold these views. I hope that priest is not allowed to say Mass again. Well, in the last few minutes, it seems that he, he won't be asked back anyhow to say Mass again. Uh, very soon in the Diocese of Kerry which of course does extend into Cork into parts of Mill Street and indeed the Ibera Peninsula as I said your views are welcome 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 in reaction to what we were speaking to uh, Father Tim Hazelwood from Killer regarding that priest in Listole and his comments during the homily on Sunday last first of all Joe says for years priests put the fear of God into people change needs to come from the Vatican. We had the same-sex marriage here in Ireland uh, for those marriages that were not allowed in the Catholic Church. So there's a lot of hypocrisy going on within the Catholic Church fields. Joe, while a passion for my believes in the freedom of speech, and he says that priest in Kerry had a right to say what he believes. Your views are welcome. More of them coming in. We'll get to those after uh, 11 uh, 0818 103 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. But 
Redundancy notices have been issued to workers at Zenith Energy on Whitty Island. You want to find out more about that and also more on the fines that people could be receiving for the burning of turf. That next. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Redundancy notices have been issued to workers at Zenith Energy on Whitty Island, but Cork Southwest Deputy Michael Codd believes more could follow. Zenith Energy, they run the oil terminal at Whitty and Deputy Michael Collins just morning. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, John Paul. Now, this would, and this affects a specific skilled workforce on this site, doesn't it? It does indeed. Uh, you're talking about three jobs initially and, and, and it, redundancy notices have been issued to those three workers and four uh, to come uh, pretty soon after us. Three plant operator positions in maintenance, three craft positions in maintenance and one higher craft role in the HSE operation. Now these were, I suppose there's, there's two elements to this, these were permanent local jobs, I suppose in the Bantry, General Bantry, West Cork area. And yeah, um, good jobs, people had worked hard down through the years with the company and are kind of in a shock. In it, they're really in shock to think that they're being offered are being told that they're going to be made redundant as such and a redundancy packages which aren't great at the moment being negotiated uh, is where they is where they stand now I would have also concerns John Paul that this might lead to other redundancies uh, if the company uh, railroads ahead with uh, their plans uh, they're saying that their business is, uh, is facing challenging times but you know, the surely, uh, you know, I mean, we've been one of the only oil storage bases in in, in the country, uh, and and we've been in the situation we're in. I, I can't see uh, much challenges there at this present time because we can't do it out uh, the fuel as such on the workers that are there. And I'm very disappointed that the company have taken this uh, stand. And I I still plead at this eleven hour that they might step back here and 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 look at continuing the the the, the workforce that that is there already. Well, we did contact the company who say in a statement to us that Zenith Energy can confirm that following a review of its business, plans to restructure operations were announced in April 2022. Since then, the company has been engaging with its staff and SIP2 and talks between Zenith Energy and SIP2 are ongoing under the offices of the WRC. Zenith Energy remains open to continue respectful discussions with all employees. And that was a statement from the company. Uh, Do you know the job losses? Are they going to be at this side of Christmas or next year? I'd say the most will be at this side of uh, Christmas, John Paul, and um, uh, obviously that that negotiations with WRC might determine you know the kind of redundancy. But at the moment, it's uh, to the workers that I've spoken to, those workers that are worried about losing their, uh, I suppose, their full time positions, um, that the, the redundancy isn't what they would expect. In fairness, for the, the amount of time they've done there, they've they've been working. But I, I also have other worries, um, and 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 I think Zenith uh, Energy has to come clear here. And I did try to get the teacher to intervene here because to a point you know they are looking after our as we call it nor our Irish National Reserve like have hired Zenith Energy um, to, to, to have these maintenance workers there. but there is an element of, of danger in their work and thanks be to God nothing has happened in, in, in recent years but we do know the history of, of Whitty uh, which was known throughout the world and the fact is that um, I'd, be, I'd be very worried in the, you know that we say much of the work has been, we'll say, done by existing permanent workforce in emergency maintenance where qualified personnel can respond day or night in short notice. Now, my, my worry here is that if you're contracting work out, are you contracting this work to somebody in Kilkenny who could be well qualified? I've no disrespect to that, or, or, or Dublin or where. But the fact is, if there's an emergency there overnight, 
Now, these workers are local. Uh, they're based mainly in Benchwood. You throw some parts maybe uh, further afield, but not outside of West Cork in no manner. I mean, so an emergency means that they're like fire workers. They're on the, on the, on the ball, basically a search within, within, you could nearly say, minutes. Now, what's going to happen here if there's a situation, and it might never happen, but we can never be too sure, um, that there's an emergency and these workers are not there and then those contract workers are not in the locality. Um, and that's a very, very serious matter. I think that the, that the government should take take up the energy boundary and, and also that the company itself might step back and say, wait a minute, maybe this, this is, uh, while it might be a very small chance of happening, if it does happen, it could have devastating consequences not having a, a, an experienced workforce on the ground. And that's all we're asking for here. It's common sense to become, uh, to, to, to common sense to take to, to part here. Well, the company is stating that there will no be and not be any contract workers replacing uh, those workers who are facing redundancy. But looking at the facility itself, I mean, is it going to be cut back, do you feel, in the future? I mean, could it potentially close? Well, the funny thing is I've looked at the uh, interactions between the company and its workers and it was only a short couple of years ago or two, they were praising it being one of the best in the in, in, in the in the world and, and you know the workforce are the best and everything seemed to be rosy in the garden and all of a sudden this seems to spring out of somewhere or nowhere as such and, and I mean this is going to have a very very serious negative effect in Bantry because these were very very good jobs and uh, you know and, and to be honest with you I think you know, energy's uh, memory is very very short here because they owe it to Bantry the state owes it to Bantry um, uh, you know, because of, uh, of 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 the history with Whitty Island, that the least they do is, and there was a Bantry package and there was so much put in place when there was a disaster before, and rightly so, but the least they do is give some bit of comfort to the people of the, the locality to know that the worry isn't there, that there's never anything going to happen there, that there's workforce, experienced workforce on site at all times, and they need to clarify that. And when I asked the teacher to intervene in this issue, it hasn't happened as of yet, and he does need to intervene. The state needs to intervene here. The Minister um, uh, the Minister for um, Employment, um, Leo Varadkia, uh, the Tanisha has been asked to intervene here and hasn't. The Minister, uh, Eamon Ryan, has been asked to intervene here and he hasn't. And this is astonishing to think that the government is going to lie idly back. They'll say, yes, and its energy are contracted, but at the end of the day, it's the security and, and, and going forward and the ease and the make sure that the public out there know that there's, um, that, that there's ease of mind that nothing can ever happen, that at least there's an experienced workforce on the ground at all times, and if not, they're only within 20, 25 minutes away. Not situation where contracted out and God only knows where they are. So look, okay, we'll, we'll uh, wait and see uh, what happens uh, with it. I mean, Zenith still say that there won't be any contract workers replacing these workers, but we'll wait and see what the future is uh, for the company at Woody. Before I let you go, Michael, uh, as you will be well aware, laws in place now regarding the burning of turf, and people could be if they are burning excessive turf, uh, which uh, how they can figure that, uh, I'm not too sure in, in in a housing estate or in a rural area. But anyhow, the laws are in place. What do you make of all these reports that were carried yesterday in a lot of the? Papers. I saw, I saw uh, some of the reports. I heard about some of the reports. But John Paul, that's like I'm getting myself on the ground. You have people that had turf in their ho- houses for years, um, and still have quite a lot of turf that you know burned and bothered them on the turf. Are coming to me and saying, "Am I allowed to burn the turf that's in my house anymore?" Now I said to a lady the other day when I met her, I said, "My God, if you don't, I'll go over the trail and I'll take it home and I'll burn it right." But on house, if you won't burn it, of course you are allowed to burn it. But there's a worry and there's major confusion. But I, and I give you a very, very good reason. I, I met a gentleman uh, at a, a, a 
crashing over the weekend. He said to me, and he's asked me the same question two months ago, and I've sought clarity from the Minister of Environment. There's nobody else you should you should expect to get clarity from. He used to go to the markets and he'd say, he'd put a bag of turf outside, same as a bag of timber outside his trailer. And he'd, a customer would come up and wait, can I do that? He says, and I said, I can't give you a straight answer because a shopkeeper can't apparently and you can't advertise it. So he said, what he'd done is he went cap in hand when Leo Varadka was in West Cork uh, a couple of months ago and he went over specifically to meet him in Bantry. He said, he asked him the straight question, can I do it? And he said, I'm 95% sure you can. That's brilliant, says this gentleman. He said, Tarnish, uh, uh, he said, would you mind putting that in writing? Oh, absolutely, I won't. He says, I won't put it in writing. But he said, you told me, you're 95% sure that I can put one little bag of turf at the side of my trailer saying, I have a bit of turf there if you'd like to buy it. And he said, deal with my secretary. And that gentleman has been ringing that secretary since and has been getting nowhere and no answer. So if you're tarnished, I can't answer you. I've been writing to the Minister for Environment for clarity on that specific issue amongst many others. But that, and he has never come back and clarified in two to three months. And I can never go back to that gentleman and say, that's it in writing. That's and the outside, law, of the, outside, Michael, of the excessive burning, if a person who buys turf, then if, if I went along and bought turf from that man who's selling it on the side of the road, Ratter Market, or is driving around in a van, housing estate to housing estate, delivering turf, am I then breaking the law because I've purchased the turf? It looks to me as if you mightn't be if you if, if you get in small quantities, but again, it's extremely vague. And what this reminds me of, it's a, it's a bit like Lango and the person about... Uh, had a bottle of poutine when they shouldn't have had it. They were mooching it under the seat of the car. Oh, we're going to be mooching a bit of turf under the seat of the car. Number one. And number two, John Paul, it reminds me of a small child and go and they do some harm. They'd be going to hide uh, away from the, the mother and father afraid they'd get, get given out. Uh, now, this is the very same with Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. The Greens just came up, woke up one morning and dreamt up this idea. And Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil are running scared and saying, ah, don't worry about this and don't worry. People are worrying. They want genuine clarity as to can they purchase one bag if they have it at home or they allowed to burn it can they put two squares of turf in or they allowed to put three or one and if you're trying to sell it one bag or a single bag you know to a genuine little uh, you know uh, comfort a person's home am I allowed to sell it or is he allowed to sell it and this clarity cannot be given and that's an absolute failure of today's government John Paul that they cannot give the f- they come in with rules and regulations and of course it backfired them and the Finnegan and Finnefall ran a hide in under the bushes and they left the Greens standing up uh, standing to take the blame for it but they're all culpable in this and they can't and when Leo Varadkar stands in the square and Bantry says I'm 95% sure you can and when he's asked to put that in writing he says absolutely I won't yeah, so if the lawmakers don't know what the law says uh, it's going to get very confusing as we go into the winter because as you say people are concerned but no one knows what excessive burning really means and also then if you don't know if you if you buy it or not if it's illegal like if, if, if those that make the rules don't know well yeah it's going to get more confusing as we go into the winter months regarding that law for the moment Michael we'll wait and see if they come back to you on any of those issues let us know uh, because I we have be people sure. uh, wondering where they stand with that uh, for the moment thanks for joining us uh, this morning that is Cork Southwest Deputy Michael Collins. Your views are welcome. 0818 103 103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And next, we're going to be hearing from the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork. They are seeing an increase in demand for their service. So they'll join us next. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. The Eating Disorder Centre in Cork has seen demand for its service increase, with the centre now having a waiting list. Aaron O'Reilly is clinical manager at the centre and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Aaron. Good morning. How are you today? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. Is this the first time in the centre's history that you've had a waiting list? 
It is, JP. Um, we have never had a waiting list until this year. Even all through COVID, we were able to keep up with the numbers, but it's just got um, very, very busy in the last year, say, even more so. It's just been going up and up our numbers since um, the pandemic, really. And do you feel that people are coming forward more now when they know they have a problem compared to a number of years ago? I guess they are, possibly. You know, I think in the news now and um, a lot in media and social media, it's highlighted the struggles that people are having. And maybe because of the pandemic, people are being a bit more vocal um, and a lot of people really struggled hard over that time. With the waiting lists, are you aware or do you know the cause that is leading people to go to your centre and for them having a disorder when it comes to eating? It could be a number of things. There's a number of factors that come. It's rarely just one thing, you know, mm. um, and the, the, the isolation over COVID certainly increased numbers without a doubt. Um, and school kids working from home training, you know, um, like even soccer training and all that without proper coaches, you know, it was very difficult for people to keep an eye on stuff themselves um, with food. It was quite intense, really, for families to be, all be stuck together for the pandemic. That really had a, a huge um, part in this, too. And I think the the isolation was the hardest one, being away from friends. And we touched know? on that uh, yesterday with uh, people who were feeling isolated, as you mentioned there, and they were finding it slow to go back out and meet their friends again. And that's why we spoke about social prescribers on the show yesterday. But we also heard from people, and this was mentioned at the start of this year, we would see a knock-on effect to people's mental health following those lockdowns. And we would see it at time, I suppose, was a period of time after all of this happened and that probably is now. Yeah, this is um, the result. We're seeing the the, the after effects now and we're dealing with them, you know. Um, I think everybody was so delighted when the restrictions were lifted and people went back out and, you know, there was a sense of euphoria and really excitement. But now that has died down and all the the issues that really came up over the pandemic are coming to the surface. And it's great that people are reaching out for help, you know, that they're not suffering in silence. And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there suffering in silence. Maybe, I don't know why people are reaching out more and more, but um, it's a good thing. Yeah, and because of that, though, your service then is under pressure. I mean, first of all, do we have enough therapists in Ireland? We have a lot of therapists in Ireland. Eating disorders is a very specific um, genre and area. Not all therapists are qualified to work in eating disorders. So we are finding it very difficult to get um, good, you know, um, trained in eating disorders therapists. I said that all wrong now. You're going to have to change that. Um, Specifically uh, trained eating disorder therapists. Um, there, there is a lot of therapists out there doing fantastic work, but in here it is very spe- specific and it's not for the faint-hearted. It's a tough line of work, you know. Um, it's very honourable whoever goes into this line of work, but it's, it's hard to find good therapists who would work in eating disorders. And are you seeing people then of all age groups? We are. We have people from age 10 to age 80. Um, I would say... Our largest group now at the moment is age 14 to 25. 
that would be the largest age group. And something you touched on there regarding social media earlier, there's a lot of pressure on people now to look a certain way with image and so many pictures being shared on various social media platforms. Is that increasing anxiety on how people are looking and could it or does it lead to eating disorders? It would be part of it. It mightn't be the full extent, but that is certainly one one side of it that is... Um, very hard on people because really growing up in school and you know in in school or normal school days we don't learn about things like um critical thinking and looking at these pictures and saying well a lot of them are photoshopped can i really believe what i see do i really need to be following this person you know just the way we think and we see social media we really have to stand back and um, look at this in a whole other way. And I think that really needs to start at a young age. Do you feel you maybe are the poor relation when it comes to funding? It's clear that more funding is needed for your services and others like yours. Oh, for sure. We're, we're always looking for funding because, you know, the more funding we get, the more people we can bring on on the sliding scale. Somebody, you know, maybe on a low income um, we have a, a sliding scale scheme where people would come. They could be students, they could be unemployed, um, they could be on a low income, and we have different rates for different various people. Um, so any funding we get goes back into people on a low income being able to access our service. Um, the HSC are very kind in what they provide for us, but of course, as you say, we are the poor relation. We're not totally funded by the HSC, so it's not a free organisation, unfortunately. Um, but they kindly do cover a good bit of our, our expenses. Um, but we could always do with more and more therapists. If there's any therapists out there, you know, hoping to work in the area of eating disorders, please make contact, you know, because um, there, there's a lot of people struggling. We do a lot of very good work here. And do you feel now that people have a better understanding of eating disorders now, or maybe they don't, and, and maybe that's why uh, there is issues with funding from the government and other departments, but uh, do you feel more so, so that maybe 20 years ago there's a better understanding out there now? Definitely, for sure. Now, I and there's a lot of people still don't understand, but I do think there's a lot more in the news and it's highlighted a lot more. And people, you know, we're trying to take the shame out of it. Um, an eating disorder is, you know, it, it's it's very serious. And if somebody doesn't want to come and tell, you know, their family about it or anything, it, it can be detrimental. You know, it's, it can be a life or death situation. So we're really hoping, you know, to highlight more the eating disorder is, is not all about looking good. You know, it is it's you know, it's a disorder. And, um, we, you know, we're, we're trying to cut all that shame and ignorance around eating disorders. And I think it's well on the way, thankfully. Well, well done to you guys there for highlighting it, first of all, but also for those you see on, on a daily basis within the Eating Disorder Centre. Hopefully more funding does go into this area. And for the moment, uh, thanks for joining us uh, this morning on the programme. 
Thank you, JP. Thank, Thank you. you very much. That is Erin okay. O'Reilly there, who's a clinical manager of the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork. Katrina Toomey from Penny Dinners will be joining us on how firsthand she is hearing from families to turning to money lenders due to the cost of living crisis and not just one money lender, uh, but several. And all these are working people. That's ahead. And also uh, following our chat with Katrina, we'll be joined in studio live by Irish folk band Kewl, who are launching their debut album this Friday. The group, I'm sure you're familiar with their songs. Uh, we play them on our Irish shows and all the various shows, uh, Irish shows here on C103 across the week and indeed the weekend. And they'll join us also on the programme. So that and more to come. But first, your calls and comments. Going back to what the priest said in Listowel in his homily on last Sunday. This is Father Sean Sheehy. A lot of reaction to this. Here's some of the calls and comments into us across the morning. First of all, Louise says, why would a priest or indeed anyone uh, leave the church aside? Why would anyone say what he said? If someone is gay or not, it's no one's business, only theirs. And I agree with those texting in. Using condoms is responsible. It reduces sexually transmitted diseases. So I just can't understand where this man was coming from, says Louise. Pat says the church may have moved on, but the Bible is still the same. And the Bible stands with that priest, says Pat. And Catherine feels the priest, Father Sean, obviously has issues himself himself and decided to get a bit of attention by taking it out on people who were, and as Catherine puts it in inverted commas, different. Imagine the amount of hurt he has caused by letting rip. So many families are trying to adjust to having same-sex couples and at the end of the day, your health is your wealth, regardless of your sex, says Catherine on WhatsApp to 0862103103 while somebody else on WhatsApp says the church getting mad at free condoms when they threw babies into septic tanks, the less they say, the better, says that person on WhatsApp. While Willie is in Glamire and Willie feels if John Bean Keane was alive, he would have the makings of a good play out of this controversy. Indeed, Willie in Glamire to 0818103103. And on the weather that is impacting Cork at the moment, Chris is in Shambali Moor and uh, saying that there are some very bad potholes on the road from Shambali Moor to Kildare on the Bog Road. Now, this road is being used as a diversion at the moment uh, due to the main road being closed. One man burst two tyres at once. Uh, so be careful with the heavy rain and a lot of surface water on the roads. You may not see those potholes, so take care if that's your journey this morning. And also we're getting reports coming in of wheelie bins being blown around onto the road. One lady who got in contact with us said she had to get out of her car and move the bins out of her way on three separate occasions this morning. So take care if you're travelling uh, because of those wheelie bins which are being blown onto the roadways. And Mary in Dunmanway wants to thank the ESB work in Duras because the power of the electricity went out at 4am this morning due to a thunderstorm and they had the power back by 8am so well done uh, to all the ESB network workers who are out and about in those high winds working uh, to restore power and yeah there was a thunderstorm in the early hours of the morning uh, woke me up and I think many others as well at around 3.30 to 4am so well done to those who were restoring electricity services in various parts of Cork City and County this morning our lines are open 0818 103 103 text or whatsapp 0863103 i've got a call in 
on uh, the burning of turf, also on the reaction to those redundancy notices that have been issued to workers at Whitty Island, at the uh, Whitty Island Terminal, and uh, on the eating disorders. And I will get to those later in the show, uh, but we have the group Kyol coming in uh, later as well, uh, just after 11.30, and I'm conscious a lot of those lads have travelled uh, from, I think one guy has travelled from Donegal and also from other parts of the Midlands and Dublin, so we want to get a bit of time as well so as they've travelled in the yellow uh, weather warning today. So we will bring you those comments uh, and keep those coming later in the show. Uh, but Katrina Toomey, we'll chat with Katrina next on what she has seen firsthand uh, in the last week only in Penny Dinners and families, working families. These are people getting up in the morning, going to work and they're going to a money lender to pay for fuel in the car and for shopping. I mean, it's just where does it all end? Anyhow, uh, we'll hear from uh, Katrina next. C103 Jobs. Industrial electricians are wanted for work in Cork and Waterford. Uh, you must have your own tools. You can email your CV to jobs at hamiltonfringe.com or you can phone 087-165-0527. A taste panellist for dairy products required for to work four days per week based at UCC. Full training is provided. You can contact info at srlresearch.com for an application form. And an office manager with at least three years experience in office management, accounts and bookkeeping is required for Mallow and you can send your CVs to office at hallmark.ie These jobs and more, they're online now at c103.ie Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 Families are again turning to moneylenders to first of all deal with the cost of living and secondly Christmas. Katrina Toomey of Penny Dinners joins me Good morning to you Katrina Good morning, John Paul. Good morning. You're hearing from families who are turning not just to one moneylender, but several, given the circumstances they are finding themselves in at the moment, Katrina. Yes, the cost of living has just crippled people and it's it's now forcing them, you know, to people that never went to a moneylender to go to one now. And sometimes people are going to two and they may, they may have a third one because... Sometimes they fall behind if they head back a money lender and another bill comes up so they have to go someplace else for to get the price of that new bill and to try and catch up with the previous with the, the other money lender. So it, it's a case of that they have to do this to survive and it's crippling them then to pay it back and causing extreme hardship to them and frustration and fear, I suppose, as well, if they don't have it to pay it back because obviously if they need this money, it means their budget is gone. So when they're paying it back, it's going back into the, you know, eating into their budget again and causing, you know, it's just going to be a build-up until it explodes for people someday. And that will happen sooner rather than later. It's a vicious circle, so people are finding themselves in. And many of these people, Katrina, they're working, they're in employment, they're, they're going working. out to work every day. There could be two jobs in the one house, but they just haven't enough because we've... Look at the things that are crippling people, the things that you need to survive on. Your rent, your mortgage, your food, your bills, your electricity, your gas, if you have coal, whatever. You know, like, you're not going to... If you have coal, for example, you're not going to be able to get by on one bag of coal a week. Even kind of won't take you through a week. You need three because the weather here is cold miserable and you need it look at the price of stuff that people have to pay so could you imagine if you're paying for coal every week if you're you know 
trying to buy your shopping, trying to pay your rent, trying to pay your mortgage, trying to commute to work, trying to get your children to school, trying to provide lunches for them and stuff. It just doesn't stretch that way anymore. And some would say people are falling into a trap with money lenders, but you could easily see how people are just driven to it. They're driven to it and it's happening and it's a reality. And the reality is that like even people that are, you know, have kind of half decent jobs are finding it difficult as well to pay because the, the mortgages are too high or the rents are too high. So it's not just affecting people, you know, the minimum wage. People are really kind of slaughtered altogether. And, and you know, they, they, they've been suffering for years and years. And, and that has to be recognised as well. It's not right that a person that goes out, whether, no matter what the job that the person is doing, if they're putting in a good week's work, then they deserve wages that match that minimum wage is not enough. Those workers then who are out working, they are realising if their mortgage renewal is up, which we discussed in the show yesterday, uh, that their rates are going up. And if they try and switch, it may not be much better. No. And you see, there's no incentives for to keep people. uh, There seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel for them. No hope. Things are all going up. Nothing is coming down. And with and, the money lenders you're hearing of, Katrina, I mean, oh. it's not written in stone, but we all know that if you don't pay a money lender, there will be consequences. Exactly. And as you said, it's not written in stone. And people have to pay it. And that's it. Can you imagine the grief that people are going through trying to be able to pay that? And where they're paying that, then something else is suffering. Maybe one thing, maybe two things, maybe three things. And that's all a build up again, ready to explode. So people are really hard done by. And I don't think people can survive much longer being hard done by. We've a long winter now of discontent ahead of us, you know, bad weather, cost of living, you name it, it's there. And sickness and illness and everything, costs, cold, the whole lot, the, 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 we came out of the pandemic straight into the war, straight into the cost of living, and it's one thing after another. But like all of this is causing huge hardship on the the people of the country, the ordinary people who are trying to get by, who are working. Look at the people whose businesses are closing. Look at the way the restaurants are going, the cafes are going, the hair salons are going. Look at the way the shops are going. You know, things are just closing down because they can't manage anymore. You mentioned there, Katrina, an explosion about to happen. Do you feel over the next few months and maybe after Christmas into the first few weeks of January, we will see that explosion where people just can't take anymore and just can't afford anymore? They can't. They can't take it now. So what way is it going to be leading up to Christmas and what way is it going to be afterwards? Something will happen and and something, you know, like... Who's it going to be too late for? Is it going to be too late for the people that are suffering or is it going to be too late for the government? Well, it shouldn't be the people that are suffering. The government have to take this serious and they have to have a duty of care to the people that they're elected to represent. And there's too much suffering now in this country. And you know, there's, we have good things too, obviously. And we have people, you know, that have good money and, and don't see, you know, poverty at all at all. But we have a huge amount of people that are just falling below the the, the the safety net now. They're you know, they're falling into poverty at no fault of their own. It's just the cost is creeping up all around. Look look at the fuel. 
commuting to and from work. Everything costs money. So if you if you sit down and you budget with a working person, you'd be surprised that you know, at the fact of how much they have left or if they have anything at all left. That's normal now for people. And do you see when it comes to working families that the majority will, if they do go to you for assistance, they'll go during school hours because still people are protecting their, ch- their child or children? Of course. You know, a lot of people will try and come and they think nobody knows they're coming in that way. And if that's what it does to protect a person's dignity, that's fine. If we have to meet people in certain places, we'll meet them to protect their dignity because, you know... <laughs> We have a duty here too to protect people's dignity, and we do that. So if people find it very hard to come to us, we go to them. And if they find it hard for us to come to their homes, we'll meet them someplace. And you can imagine for somebody who's been, you know, going along reasonably well, like you know, for a number of years, falling into this trap and then having to turn to penny dinners, you can imagine the hurt, the humiliation that they feel. So it's up to us to take that out of it for them, and we do. And you've seen many crises over the last 10, 15 years, Katrina. I mean, we had the the economic crash, then uh, the COVID pandemic, and now this cost of living crisis. Is this the toughest out of them all? They're all tough, but is this just uh, hitting harder the fact that you have so many workers now calling into you? I think what's after happening is that there's a build-up for the last number of years. And this is like the, the, the... Tip of the iceberg, you know, we, we've come up now like the volcano is coming up, rising up, and it's just going to have a detrimental effect. If it's the worst time that I've seen, I would have to say yes. But we've seen bad times in the last number of years as well, hard times for people, you know, and like, you know, there's a song that says hard times come again the more. They're just getting harder now for people. And we all have to look at that and we all have to say, it's got to stop someplace. People are entitled to be able to live their lives. They're entitled to be able to pay their bills. They're out working for it. Those that are on social welfare payments have learned how to survive. And they will survive because they've learned how to do it over the, you know, the number the length of time that they're on the social welfare. You learn very, very quickly when you have a very small budget to work off of. But when people that have been used to be, you know, to be able to get by are faced with this, predicament they find it very very hard and they don't know who to turn to where to turn to and what do they do they always exhaust whatever funds they have in the bank or in the credit union and then they're left with nothing and this is where the money lenders can creep in because you can't go to your credit union or your bank if you've nothing left in there for a loan so you go to the money lenders and like it's it's easy to work out how all these things can happen and it's easy to, to work out payment plans for people like uh, and look at them and just say well if you pay all of these or three quarters of them your money stops at 75% of what you need to pay out you haven't enough then to do the other 20% 25% 10% whatever it is and if you just barely make it to 100% you've nothing left over for food and that's the situation now that a huge amount of people are finding themselves in well, it's the stark reality of what is happening out there. And Katrina, to you and all your volunteers there at Penny Dinners, uh, well done to you. But uh, as you say, you were on the, the front line of what is happening out there. Uh, and that's the reality of it. It is. And, you know, to see pain, we see it raw. We see it mm. at the cold face, And we see people coming to us. And, 
you know, you can't look somebody in the eye and say, ah, it's okay to be like you were. It's not. It is not. And if so many people are like that, the government have to wake up and say, yeah, it's not all right. And it's not okay for them to be like that. There's too many in that situation. Too Too many many. workers in that situation. And and too many self-employed people in that situation as well. You know, too many homemakers in that situation. Too many people that look to have a great job. Like, you know, people would say, oh, should they have a grand job? They're working in such a place. But look at the mortgage. The mortgage could be too high. The rent could be too high. You know, it's easily identifiable. Because we can all identify with stuff. You either have or you haven't, you know. Well, for the moment, Katrina, thank you for taking time out and talking to us this morning on the show. Thanks, John Paul. Thanks so much. Take care. Katrina Toomey there joining us from Penny Dinners. Your views are welcome on that. It just shows the reality that is happening out there at the moment. Workers who get up in the morning, 6am, stuck in traffic, heading along uh, to your workplace, but then you have to turn to a money lender uh, and not only one, two, just to pay the, the fuel to go to work and then the grocery bill. Uh, your views are welcome. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. Bernie takes those calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And they have travelled all over the country and they're here live in studio the sensation the new sensation but they're not new really they've been around since the start of the year or more but the Irish folk band Kewl they join us live in studio next record today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862103103 Irish folk band Kewl are releasing their debut album Those Were The Days this Friday now you'll be familiar with the band from our Irish music shows here across C103 weekdays and indeed weekends and the group they're made up of four lads they'll join me in studio but just in case you're not familiar here's a number of their hits uh, from the last year the group Kyol and in studio and my big thanks to the lads who travelled in a yellow weather warning to our studios this morning we have from Dublin Cottle Dervin Donny Galls Matthew Crampsey we've Wexford's James O'Sullivan and Kildare's Daryl Phillips lads good morning to you all and thanks for joining us in studio now it's been an exciting year for you guys first of all for those many will know that Nathan Carter was the well-known singer, the well-known singer Nathan Carter was the brainchild behind this group. He was looking for a group that would sing Irish folk songs, and you four guys came along. Uh, Matthew, I'll start with yourself first because you're all singers, but you, I suppose, would be uh, you would be on your own first of all singing. But you're you're a son of a well-known Irish country singer. I am. So for anyone that's listening and you're familiar with the name Shinny Cramsey, um, Shinny's my dad, and I've been very lucky. I've been. Blessed. I've been doing. I've been making a living for music since I was fifteen. That's twelve years this year, which is a lot. When you sit and think back at that, that's a long time to be at it. And then um, this opportunity came along then, just a year ago, and um, I met Nathan, and it's just gone from strength to strength. And so now here we are. And what does your dad make of yourself involved now in the music industry, Colin, following his own footsteps in a way? Do you know what? Dad's been brilliant. Um, I've been very lucky that he's you know to have him because. He's been in it a long time, and he um, he sees stuff that I might not see. Do you know, so he's always there to keep the, your hand on the shoulder and keep you right and um, just keep you on the straight and narrow, which is great to have, you know. And I presume the advice he gives you then works for all the lads. I mean, Daryl, for yourself, you've been singing away over the years as well and playing various instruments. But how did it come about? Did you apply or did Nathan spot you? Or how did Kyol happen? Yeah, so um, the whole the whole thing was um, there was just auditions basically, and that's that's essentially it. You know, we all just mm-hmm. auditioned, and then we're just very lucky that the four of us get on so well. I think that's 
just as important as being good musicians and a good band to the fact that like the four of us are just we're like best friends now at this stage as Matthew says we're his four best friends <laughs> <laughs> and you need that because you're spending a lot of time together yeah absolutely, so yeah. like for the likes of uh, for Cottle for example if you're going to be sharing your room with, with, with this guy next to you here yeah. you need to get on because you're, you're going to be away and, and travelling a lot absolutely yeah and it's very important I think People have said it to us uh, in gigs. It comes through on stage as well, and it adds to the audience's enjoyment when we're kind of having the crack and everything. You know, we don't just put it on for stage. We really do. Yeah, that's the very thing well. I think is when people see us on stage having the crack, we genuinely are having the crack. <laughs> the crack. Because it's just like you're looking across, and the, the great thing about the two lads here, Cahill and James, for anyone that doesn't know the layout of the band, basically the Cahill plays accordion, James plays the fiddle, and I can only say that the lads are two of the most talented musicians but every night they'll change the runs and you'll see them look at each other going right you do it now and we, me and Daryl will be sitting there <laughs> laughing away like these are the things that people don't see but doesn't that add to it because if you're naturally having the crack on stage it reflects in the audience you're bouncing off each other and they thrive off that I mean James you, you would see that yourself being on stage and, and performing with the instruments the, the, the audience love that interaction oh absolutely yeah the audience absolutely it's 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 you know it's once once they see you having the crack it's it's, it's everybody gets in on the same buzz you know and it is real like you know so we just we just love being able to do it and get out there and, and bounce off one another and, and just cry and laugh most of the time you know? <laughs> it's brilliant you know and if you were to describe Keol I mean uh, known and, and on your PR they're saying an Irish folk band and you have sung a number of songs I mean B-Swing is a, yeah. a, a well known Irish song how would James for yourself how would you describe is that the right description because you're, you bring a new feeling to a lot of the folk songs that have been around for a while it's a more modern touch it's a more modern modern touch I suppose but at the same time we're very conscious that these are old uh, Irish songs that people would know very well so we're still trying to do the songs justice and, and do the best job we can in in uh, kind of recording and releasing our own ver- versions of these like you know so I suppose that's what we kind of are trying to do in a lot of ways you know and Nathan has been a huge help for you guys uh, I mean when you look at the experience and success he's had over the years Matthew uh, it, that can only be good for the band oh, of course Nathan you know on top of everything he's an absolute gentleman but he's he really really knows what he's talking about and the great thing about you said earlier about or James mentioned about trying to keep things you know, traditional to a point. The band's very much split down the middle. <clears throat> Myself and Daryl would have more of a, you know, a popular, and my upbringing had been country music, and Cahill and James both have a, a massive trad element to their lives. So it's the perfect blend for us because we can add stuff from the pop genres and stuff while the lads are always keeping us in touch going, yeah, and let's do this to keep it traditional and stuff. So I think that's, you know, everyone that every song we've released so far, Everyone has said that, you know, it's enjoyable for all ages and that's one thing that we want to really drive home. And that's exactly like if you look at Nathan there, Nathan's you know, we've been fortunate enough to go and play venues with him and the crowds are from eight to eighty. Do you know it's like it's just kids love him, older people love him and it's just that's where we want to be hitting for as well. Yeah, and you mentioned there you hit the nail on the head with the eighteen to eighty. I think with uh, country and Irish music, there's a whole new generation coming through and I think having a band like you guys coming through as well is good because songs can be forgotten and you have singers unfortunately who will reach a stage in their lives where they're like, I'm done, I've done the stage, I've done and I'm going to retire. So you need new blood to come through. And when I look at like Sophia Mina Begley, I mean well she she's I mean, Philomena's a gas woman, first of all. (laughs) And she celebrated her 80th birthday recently. You would not think she was 80. She's so young at heart. But I love the way she was so welcoming with the new singers, the likes of Derek Ryan, the likes of of Nathan and others, Lee Matthews, who've come into the music scene. I mean, Daryl, bands like you will continue on 
traditional Irish music and without the support from the likes of Nathan and Philomena you know Irish music could simply just phase out yeah absolutely I think it's our it's our kind of job and responsibility now to to bring it on you know um, and take it forward with us and bring it to like a younger audience <clears> and make just keep it alive and make sure it never dies out you know because it's so important yeah, no, yeah. it is true, and, and it is, and, and it could, but the way you know the world is going, it could easily uh, die out. Um, regarding social media, has that been a big help for you all? I mean, you're all on Instagram, and the band itself is on Instagram, along with TikTok. Uh, Cottle, does that help the band, do you think, in, in a way, and brings it to, brings a younger audience in? Yeah, definitely. Um, last year, especially for, for getting gigs and getting exposure, uh, social media was a huge thing for us, Instagram, and especially TikTok. TikTok, Because the TikTok numbers have grown. Like, they, we doubled our numbers there with when we released Heave Away, the video with Nathan recently, which is just, you know, it's crazy, mm. the amount of exposure that social media can get you and people inquiring about gigs everywhere. So it, it's a real help in this in this age. Yeah, and it brings, as you say, to a new audience, but you can see the visual side of the songs as well. I mean, that wasn't there for a long time for Irish music. They were depending on a lot of people are homegrown videos to, to, to produce them, but now you have access to TikTok, which I suppose is less expensive as well in, in a way. Um, as a band, when you were setting up, Nathan himself said he wouldn't rule out yourselves cool as a band going on Eurovision is that something you consider or would it be a poison chalice <laughs> I have mixed feelings all about you guys going Eurovision but we'll do whatever Nathan Carter tells us <laughs> <laughs> there's four men that have the stuff to do <laughs> well you have no fear doing it but certainly yeah, I'm not too sure would it be depends where it's been held <laughs> yeah <laughs> true well, <laughs> the price of plates of plates yeah. well sure they look after you for that <laughs> speaking of, of Nathan what is he like as a manager overall I mean we spoke the encouragement he gives as, as a kind of a Liam is your manager but as he set up the band what's he like or what are both of them like working together Liam himself uh, being in the band sticks uh, a few years ago well I think the easiest way to put it is Nathan is just one of the boys like <laughs> and that is genuine that he, he he's the most down to earth fella he, like we were away with Costa there we were on his Costa a couple of weeks ago and literally just every morning we were just hanging out and chilling out um, Liam is probably the most organised an efficient man I've ever met. Like <laughs> he is very I can, I can ring Liam. I can be in Donegal and ring Liam and say I need this by this time, and he's like, "Done, okay, that's it, done." So you, we've kind of got the best of both worlds because we have nothing there to, you know, be. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. with us the whole time and like just be one of the lads and then Liam's also one of the lads to be fair when we were in Tralee like we had a great crack with Liam as well um, but he's also like he just is one of those guys with so many connections um, and he's he's brilliant at what he does he just if we say that we would like to do something he's like right I'll try and get that organised and we're you know we're very very full, grateful to have him back and like full yeah. support from, from both of the lads and we like Matt you said be best of the ball world so yeah. and that it's works great. that will reflect in for you guys if you, if everybody's happy it does reflect in the band which obviously yeah. then reflects uh, to the audience you're going to it's exciting times for you over the next year because I mean you, everywhere I've looked yesterday when I was researching <laughs> everybody is saying you're the big next thing you're the big sensation so it, it's good when, when you see that in, in headlines how has the new phone fame though James, for yourself, I'll start with you. What's it been from doing your own thing and obviously revolving quite big in social media, but now you're you're really out there? Yeah, I suppose so. But like, I mean, more than anything, I just kind of feel so grateful that we get a chance to do this and that we're, we're able to do it and that we all get on so well and that we're lucky enough to have Liam and Nathan working <laughs> with us so closely. It's it's more than anything, it's, it's, it's excitement, really. Yeah. More than anything, it's just excitement for the future. And yourself, Matthew? Um, to be honest... I, I didn't really notice it until about two weeks ago. I was going, and I was going, I stopped in the Circle K in Mulhan and I held the door open for these two girls. They're about my age or younger, and they by the time they go past my hair, one girl go to the, is that the singer fella? <laughs> and I just started, I took a foot of laughing. Then when I got outside, I just, but no, it's it's strange. But like, I've been very lucky and very grateful that I have a big following in Donegal, and I have obviously because of dad and mm. growing up and stuff. But now it's just countrywide and. You've always been famous in Donegal. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're just expanding out. You're just expanding out. And what about yourself, Colin? Yeah, well, I'd be... People would kind of shout Keanu Reeves more. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since the Rose of Tralee made that clear. But, I've uh, actually, until you say it now, I didn't even think of that. But yeah, there's a, a big resemblance there. That's not a bad thing, though. No. I know. No, that's great. I'll stop for pictures now for that. That's <laughs> and did you know you're not Keanu? <clears throat> Uh, maybe, maybe well, they want I to. I have to clarify it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Piano reads. Yeah. Yeah, piano and what about yourself, uh, Daryl? Uh, it's it's an unusual thing, you know, when you get when you get noticed and stuff. But uh, like, you know, the friends and family are always there to bring you back down to earth. So with a bit of slagging <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Exactly. So you'll always be kept that kept your feet kept on the ground, like in in this country, you know, and rightly so. It is, and it's true. Your friends <laughs> yeah. won't let you forget you where you came from or what happened. Here's, here's the celebrity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, now you've a lot of gigs coming up, and you're going to Glasgow. You were telling me uh, this weekend. So what's ahead, gig wise? So Glasgow is the first one following the following the interviews you're doing this week. Yeah. Uh, you'll be flying there for Saturday, isn't it? Sunday morning. We had a small gig first on Friday. Yes, we're releasing our EP, so we're having an EP mm. release. What's the venue? Taylor's Tree Rock in Dublin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to be on there, basically playing some of the tracks from the EP, which drops on Friday. Um, and then Sunday morning, we well, I have to head back to Dublin. We get a flight from Dublin to Glasgow, and we play uh, the Royal Concert Hall in Glasgow with Nathan, which is sold out two and a half thousand people, which yeah. is you know again is a fantastic opportunity, mm. and which we're very grateful for to be able to you know like for a band that's together just over a year to have gotten the exposure that we've gotten through TV and stuff, and then get a shout and go, right, do you want to come and play Glasgow to two and a half thousand people? Like, And them sitting looking at you, you know, it's it's great exposure, so we're delighted to be able to do that. Is that one of your biggest gigs so far, or have oh, yeah. you 
Have you oh, well, uh, we've done a few big festivals during yeah. the summer. To, yeah, uh, massive biggest crowds. seated gig. Biggest seated gig, definitely. Yeah, yes. yeah. That, and is that is a pressure then when you I, and I've seen the festival ones on, on online and they're huge. But when you're in something like those halls in Glasgow, uh, when you go out on stage, it, it, what, what's the feeling? I would presume pressure or nerves oh, yeah, do you get I, nerves <laughs> I think there's always a bit of pressure we put pressure kind of on ourselves yeah. just to be a certain standard anyway but the two they're two very different worlds you know Yeah. and they're both great in their own sense but we love doing the the kind of theatre gigs um, yeah. because you're see, we get to play our slow songs there as well which we True. love doing um, yeah. when you're at the festivals just, you gotta, yeah it's just, just a different a different energy. energy like when you go and play a festival like we had the pleasure of playing Crack by the Creek um, over the summer there and I don't know like there's like I don't know, four or five thousand people yeah. in like this confined area and they're all looking at you like right we want to dance and we want to go mad so you don't you don't stop for two hours whereas with the theatres we get a chance to like the one thing that all, this, all of us have is like a real interest in the songs and the music and like being able to say who wrote the songs and you know like tell the story of the songs and yeah. stuff like that the theatres give you an opportunity to do that and that's, that's where really enjoy it. You can give more of yourself that way, whereas yeah. on the festivals that I met, you give your, more of yourself by roaring and shouting and getting them going. Yeah. Yeah. And they want yeah. that as well, yeah. So it's, it's a different kind of gig. Now, as I said, we heard the, the hit Mermaid and B-Swing, and then we're going to uh, play uh, Heave Away very shortly, which does feature Nathan Carson with you guys. What can people expect? You touched on it there, the debut album. It's out this coming Friday. Those were the days. Uh, what can Are those songs on it, first of all, or what can people expect uh, from the album? Um, so it's it's a very eclectic mix now. It's something we're really proud of because there's literally something for everybody. We've done we've done covers of old Irish songs like they've never been done before. We have two originals on there, and we have a cover of a Tom Petty tune as well. So oh. there's absolutely everything you could want from an album there, yeah. and it really shows off kind of the diversity in our set. So we're really happy with it now. I must say there's a great harmony between you all in all those songs that that we played from day one from you guys. I mean, how do you reach that harmony or how does that work? Because it's, you're all bang on tune for See that. this man here. Cahill. Cahill Durbin. Yeah. You're responsible for this. <clears throat> I was in an a cappella group for many years oh. called Trinitones and... Um, I developed a love for harmony then and I thought right when we started with Kyo here yeah, <laughs> share the love with the lads and we all do harmony so Is that difficult though to as you said share the love is it difficult to train people into that I know I, even though everybody are, are singers in their own right it would, it, it would seem tough from a time basis I'm working with I'm working with good men they're fair, yeah. adaptable fellas The first night we ever met like the, the, for the, anyone that wonders how Kyo came about basically we were put into a room with each other in Pirates Studios in Dublin John. And it was just a jam, and everyone kind of gelled quite naturally, and the harmonies all started coming quite effortlessly. And then Cahill started working out more complicated ones now, and that's what when you hear in all the EPs. When it gets tracks. complex, Cahill knows the maths behind the music, yeah. so he's... <laughs> he can tell you what you're singing and what you're singing wrong. And he does. <laughs> <laughs> and you would need maths then for timing, so I presume you're, the, you're, you're good at maths. Not at all. No. Musical maths. Musical maths. <laughs> it's one thing with musicians and indeed in this given radio. Uh, I don't know what it is with maths, but none of us are great at maths. Even the clock, there's a clock there behind us for listeners who obviously can't see this because it's radio. But on the clock, you'll see it says eight minutes to 12. That's because majority of people who sit in this seat, we can't back time. We, we can't. Oh. We get confused with the numbers. So it must be something. You're either, they say, musical or a talker if you can't do maths. Well, so. The only two subjects I paid attention in school were music and PE. So... <laughs> <laughs> that might help but that might explain for me anyway so uh, before we get into the, the final song which is Heave Away uh, but, but tell us about this song before, uh, before you play it you want so to it's me? an old um, it's a Canadian song I believe an old like sea shanty originally and yeah. 
where we found the song was I went to I'm big into like musical theatre so I went to see Come From Away the musical and they sing it in that song in like in a bar oh. kind of I was like that's a cool song so I looked into it and then I found the original song and I just I've been listening to it for a, cu- a couple of years now and I showed it to the lads and showed it to Nathan and everyone loved it and then we just put our own spin on it and that's how it came about you know and the sea shanties I mean you, you did Mermaid would be mm. most considered I presume a sea shanty you do those well so yeah. uh, something in the future when there's more of those coming out there's a lot Absolutely. of those out during <clears throat> lockdowns there was one the guy from Scotland um, yeah, that famous one yeah yeah, yeah. That, yeah that was that was huge at the time during the lockdowns on TikTok um, so we'll, we'll hear that song with Nathan Carter heave away very shortly before I let you go uh, as a lot of people have been in contact with us uh, to say hello and I'll just get through as many as I can um, first of all John saying love the guys and love their music Music is fantastic. Great to hear new Irish bands coming through. And Fiona Brown, who is a big fan of Nathan Carter, she was at the Carter on the Costa, uh, and she had a brilliant. You guys were there as well. They're they're a good week, yeah. I'd imagine. Oh, we're talking to brilliant. Fiona. She, you know yeah. Fiona. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hello, Fiona. How are you? Fiona? And a lot of people I've seen those on on, on TV in the videos. They're huge. Those yeah. those. Are they go 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 crack. I presume you meet all the supporters and the fans. I too. highly recommend it. If too much crack. If you <laughs> if you if that's what your interest is, it's um for me the amazing thing about it was to go away for a week with people that have the same interests, like minded. You know, you just chill. Everybody just gets together. Like there's people up jiving out by the pool. At half one in the day, like if that's not a good holiday, sure. Got to meet some great people. <laughs> yeah, so. Foster and Alan, and like there's so many people over there. That yeah. was great. Just and you all gel and sing away together. Yeah. Absolutely, that's good. That's great. Uh, so that's Fiona, and also to Eileen, to Martha, and to Joe, who think you're fantastic. They've been hearing you from day one, and they wish you all success. And there's a lot more people in there as well uh, that we won't get to, but we will tell you afterwards. And uh, uh, someone's asked how we all get on and who's the chatter. I'd say Mr. Matthew here is... Uh, well, I'd say I probably should apologise for anyone down here that can't understand my accent, so... I know, no, you're fine. Ads will translate, so... <laughs> Well, thank you very much for having us on. Hey, we appreciate a great time, or a big time. Well, we appreciate you coming and driving here to our studios in a yellow, in a yellow was weather. Morning. Morning. The day, <laughs> I was there. Myself and Bernie were here this morning, going, "Oh lads, these guys are going to be soaked when they get in." It was lashing rain. It was dark, and you had to come, Matthew, from Donegal. I left this morning at uh, three o'clock. No, <laughs> I it was either quarter to four or quarter to five. I'm the same as yourself. I'm not great with time, but it was quarter to four, quarter to five, and quarter rain, constant rain. Uh, well, it doesn't rain down in golf, but then it's... Uh, the there we are, look. What a marketer. And <laughs> the rest of you were, were coming from... You were from Wexford. Wexford. What was that like? Uh, it didn't stop raining from the time I hit the road till I got here. So, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and re- you were in Kildare, Kildare yeah. and Dublin, so the same direction. Did you all travel? Obviously, you didn't travel together. Did you guys travel no. together? You're all different <laughs> different journeys. Well, I know you're on uh, the RT Today show with Moran Dahi later. So yeah, for yes. those who want visuals, you can catch them there later on RT1. Uh, for the moment, we do thank you for taking time out to come to us. Uh, continue best of luck. I think much. you are going to be huge. Uh, and when you are big, don't forget us and come back again and join us Absolutely. in the studio. And we'll continue to play uh, your music on our various Irish shows here on C103. And we wish the guys best of luck and thank them uh, for travelling to our studios this morning. We've had a lot of calls and comments in on the various issues we have been discussing across the show. Uh, first of all, a lot of people concerned and angry at the burning of a turf discussion we had earlier with Deputy Michael Collins. Also on those uh, Whitty Island workers uh, who are facing redundancies and eating disorders but one from someone who was and is uh, trying to get a home call or a house call from a GP 
and isn't having any success. I'll bring you that and more all along after C103 News at midday. And if you have a gardening question, our gardener, Peter Dowdall, is along from 12.30 and your questions are welcome for Peter. You can call Bernie in 0818103103 or text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And first of all, reacting to the group Kjol, we did a lot of people reacting to the, the band Kjol. Really enjoyed the chat with the lads as did a lot of our listeners who text in. So best of luck to them. And Sheila, uh, just one of many who text to say will they ever be playing Cork well at the moment uh, there's no fixture for Cork but I'm sure they will the nearest though is Adair Manor in Adair on the 17th of November is when you can t- catch the lads but I am sure as I say they're an up and coming band they will be playing Cork at some stage I would uh, recommend in the next year going along to see them if you can and again kulband.com you'll get more information about them there now uh, just a number of texts that have come in over the last hour first of all if somebody can help with this and this is a person doesn't want to give their name which is fine but uh, they want to know if listeners or anybody out there has had a similar experience because they have a relative who was on able to attend their GP in person and when asked would the doctor do a house call uh, they were told that they only now do house calls calls to the elderly. So uh, this person is not elderly but has severe anxiety issues and is in pain at the moment but is unable to leave the house. Now is this something new? This person wants to know, or is it because of COVID that they won't do a house call? Anybody else in that situation? I know during COVID, in the height of it, they obviously weren't going up, but on, on occasion, if it was serious, they would. Um, so I'm not too sure if this is just related to your own doctor that you're texting in about, or are others who feel that the patient at home is unable to go into the doctor's surgery, uh, or indeed, like this person, is in severe pain and uh, has severe anxiety issues and simply does not want to attend the GP in person in their office uh, but the GP has said they're not going out they're just simply not doing house calls unless it's an elderly person anybody else in that situation let us know 0818103103 text or whatsapp 0862103103 and then an email into the show to Cork Today at c103.ie this is from Jerry and a word of warning to people who may have a pet and walk along the Mallow Bridge because Jerry has a little Jack Russell and his little Jack Russell is called Kino. Uh, but Kino, unfortunately, had uh, blood pumping out of his paw. And this was after Jerry walked him across the new boardwalk on Mallow Bridge yesterday evening. The nail in the front of his paw was pulled torn clean off and Jerry feels it's high time that pet owners that walk over this brand new boardwalk should be warned and in his situation he would have lifted up his little dog over the bridge if he had known about this problem now larger dog owners and older people that cannot carry dogs well they could have a real problem says Jerry but he's asking uh, has this happened to anybody else whereby there must the, the surface of the boardwalk would be quite rough and I'm not too sure if there's anything sticking out from, from the surface that would leave uh, to injury for a pet but with the surface quite rough Jerry feels there should be a warning sign at the boardwalk the new boardwalk on the Mallow Bridge for those with pets because his own pet Kino Jack Russell injured uh, with blood coming out of his paw and the nail gone uh, from the paw as well have others experienced that is that something maybe has happened to your pet if you're walking across the new boardwalk on Mallow Bridge let us know 
And back to a discussion we had earlier this morning. This is going back to the priest in Listold and his comments at the weekend, which shocked many. Um, maybe others are saying they're not too shocked. But uh, the Catholic Bishop of Kerry, he has come out and apologised for that homily that was delivered at that Mass in Listold. We spoke earlier uh, to Killebaste for the Tim Hazelwood on this. And uh, still more reaction coming in. First of all, this is from Shea. Uh, and Shea says, within and on the priest's homily, uh, Shea explains that Jesus. Jesus walked among sinners and he loves the sinner but hates the sin and he says the sinners change but Jesus never changed now she does go into quoting um, articles from the Bible but to sum it up he says uh, what the priest was doing was basically at the sermon at the homily what the priest was saying and doing he was ordained to do this he preached the gospel and that's what we are all called to do is live the gospel uh, says Shay on WhatsApp but then another listener who is in Kerry tuned to us says I I'm shocked and ashamed to hear what that cleric said in Listowel Church. It was wrong and makes me sadly question my religion, says that listener in Kerry on WhatsApp. So uh, I must say mixed views this morning to that one. And also, uh, back to the calls we've got in on turf. And we spoke earlier with uh, Deputy Michael Collins because still a lot of confusion surrounding turf. And it seems from those who brought in the rules, uh, they can't answer the questions. We're still waiting on verification on, on some of the questions that, that they, we have put to them. And indeed, uh, Deputy Collins has as well uh, regarding if you go along and purchase turf from a man selling it on the side of the road or indeed if he calls to your house are you breaking the law they didn't know that and also if someone is has their own turf produced it goes along to a let's say a weekend farmer's market and they sell it is that illegal for them and again no verification on that so we'll see uh, what we get back you would think it is illegal going on what they're saying but no one is confirming that anyhow Martin is in Formoy he says all these rules and laws there seems to be new rules and laws every day I want to know why not leave things alone next we will have to pay for the air we are using says Martin in Formoy and Tom asking about uh, can we still uh, burn smoky coal well you can Tom that's ruled out and many towns across Cork had that ban in uh, for a number of years uh, and then Dan is making a point uh, Dan and Mallow says scumbags can sell heroin on O'Connell Street in Dublin and not a word said but a farmer in West Cork can sell a bag of home heating turf while trying to make an honest income this banana republic has lost the plot at this stage no wonder young people are bailing out of this country it's now been run uh, to the ground says Dan in Mallow on WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and we also spoke regarding the redundancy notices that have been issued to workers at the Zenith Energy uh, or from Zenith Energy they run the Woody Oil Terminal in Bantry Bay and a lot of reaction to this and these are from people who are in the know either have I presume either have workers or no workers on uh, the uh, oil terminal there because while the company has said uh, that they're obviously restructuring but also that you know that they aren't going to replace these workers with contract workers and the company has said that first of all John Abandon says he knows the workers and that they will be replaced by contract workers the management is treating these workers with contempt while Mary is in Bantry and she says the maintenance department at Whitty is being disbanded she feels and the 
company who make huge profits. Uh, it's just pure greed on the part of management. They are discarding workers who have done many years of service and they're doing this in the worst economic crisis, says Mary in Bantry, while John in the city says the company will be replacing the workers with contractors. The maintenance work has to be done by someone. By bringing in unskilled and inexperienced workers, there could be another disaster there. The maintenance workers have many years of experience at Whitty and you can't expect inexperienced workers to do the same job. Most of our national oil reserve is at Whitty, so the government should and needs to step in and try to stop these redundancies, says John. Uh, and a lot of people saying uh, similar to what John has said as well uh, all I can say is when we did contact the company uh, they have said that they're not going to replace the workers with contract workers and again uh, and a statement to us they are following a review of their business and they plan to restructure operations and they announced this back in April 2022 and Zenith Energy then said that the company has been engaging with its staff and SIP2 and talks between Zenith Energy and SIP2 are ongoing uh, with with the WRC and they say that they remain open to uh, having respectful discussions with all employees they are based at the Whitty Terminal in Bantry Bay and we'll wait and see what happens with that there has been now calls uh, for the government to intervene within this and we'll see what happens with that ongoing story and uh, earlier also on the show we were speaking regarding eating disorders because we spoke with the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork City who were seeing a huge increase in demand for their service over the last while and uh, someone on text uh, basically uh, saying that eating disorders that this person feels can often result uh, due to family problems and they can I suppose start as a young child any young children that are badly affected by family issues they witness and they keep it bottled up for years and this uncertainty and the lack of control it can resurface again in teenage years when life is at that stage that requires a person to know who they are and they don't know as they have lived their lives in a traumatic turmoil. Uh, so remember that the person may not be the problem that they are the survivor of hurt but they are the ones that are paying the price. Uh, says that texter uh, responding to our discussion on eating disorders earlier in the show and a lot of texts coming in still from people who enjoyed our, our chat with the band Kiel and uh, their as I said their new album is out Friday so you can check that out and also keep your calls coming for Peter Doddle. Peter is along from 12.30 answering all your gardening questions. If you have a question for Peter, get those into us on 0818-103-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And Martin making the point when you, I suppose, hear what's happening uh, with uh, prices going up and that's what we spoke about with Katrina Toomey earlier on as well. Martin feels that the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over and getting the same results. That's why Martin feels we now need a debate on new options to capitalism. Uh, no questions there must be our solutions to people's problems, uh, says Martin. And, and yeah, there, I suppose the, the problems that people are facing regarding the cost is that the cost is going up. And the one thing Katrina touched on there was uh, mortgages uh, and the rates of mortgages going up, which is also hitting people. So they're being hit from every angle. The three main things, your mortgage, your groceries and your fuel all gone up. And that's a lot of the problem. But, you know, Martin, when you look at capitalism, it's, it is something that they'll have to look at solutions around how to solve these problems for people uh, and money lenders isn't the way either uh, to go about it but that's what people are, are doing and turning to 
And then anybody who has a pension, a contributory pension, uh, this person has been in touch by text and I presume working for a company and paying into a private pension, uh, but they're being charged 5% on their pension and they're wondering, is everyone paying this? Could you find out? Well, many of the charges on your pension could be for administration by the company. Now, I don't know uh, exactly if it's a work pension or are you paying in yourself or is it administered through a broker directly with the company? But uh, when we were checking it out here, any uh, charge that you were seeing on your pension, a lot of those are admin charges either for the company or the broker that provides the service. So just check that out to see. Uh, but if anybody is in the know, uh, maybe has a pension and sees their percentage charge, uh, let us know if it is something else. You can call Bernie 0818103103 or text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And just going back to the issue of turf, uh, we have a report from Barry White who went across the country yesterday on the back of what was announced and we'll hear that next. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. And I'm Carl Wilmish in the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs this evening at 7.15pm. All brave parents are welcome regardless of the age of their child and the circumstances of death. No registration is needed to just go along to the Silver Springs Hotel uh, or the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs at 7.15pm. And the new market, Kentuck Alzheimer's Cafe that will go ahead on this coming Thursday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. in Cultureland in Newmarket. The cafe provides a warm, welcoming place for people living with or caring for someone with dementia. This month, Irene O'Connell will speak about supports in the community, and you can register your interest. You can contact Linda on 087 955 3940 or email newmarket.alscaf at alzheimers.ie and Kildallery Community Development will hold their weekly lotto draw that takes place on Thursday from 4 o'clock in the local community office and this week's jackpot is €4,900 and Bandon GA Club uh, they've learned of the passing of their esteemed vice president club member and dear friend Kathleen Canty and as a mark of respect the GA bingo in Bandon that was due to go ahead on this Thursday is now cancelled and bingo will resume on Thursday the 10th of November at 8.30pm at the GAA Club in Bandon. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. And to that listener who was asking and inquiring about those uh, who may be unable to travel to a doctor's surgery or maybe have anxiety and do not want to visit the GP, if others were having a problem in the GP calling out to the home uh, to visit the person as in a home call. Uh, Well, yes, there's a lot of people in that situation. You're not alone. First of all, and we've had a numerous calls in and texts in from people who have the same situation, who have uh, sick people and are not elderly either. You know, one lady here tells me her son uh, in his early 20s got very sick uh, last week, but the GP said they don't do calls uh, to the home unless it's an emergency or unless it's an elderly person. And a new market listener who says, I find uh, doctors are going very slow, JP, to come out to a person's home 
like the person you mentioned, I suffer from anxiety and I do know how she feels. And when you have this, it's very hard to go into the doctor's surgery, says a new market listener. While Mary says, I totally agree with what that listener said. I had to try and get a GP out to me a number of months ago. Uh, thankfully, in the end, the person did come out and all was OK, but it took a lot of back and forth before they could come out. I can understand the doctors are understaffed and there's a lack of them in the area. Uh, but some people just simply cannot or physically get into a GP surgery if they are very sick. Also, I understand people who are anxious about going into the surgery. It's not nice sitting in a room full of people who probably are more than likely are sick, uh, but also if you have anxiety and you're waiting to be called, it does have a different effect. Uh, says Mary on text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. And earlier when we were discussing the burning of turf and the different laws that were announced and that came into on the 31st of October and what we discussed yesterday on the show from those paper reports and the fines that people could be uh, issued if they're burning excessive uh, turf or indeed uh, if they're uh, if they don't pay the fine they could be going to jail uh, was it a two year jail term was mentioned yesterday anyhow people in rural areas it seems are now fearing that imprisonment because of the ban that came into effect uh, while the sale of, of turf and, and smoky coal as well and wet wood in shops or indeed online, it's all now illegal. Our reporter, Barry White, he travelled across Ireland yesterday to find out how people are feeling about this and especially from those maybe who are in the business of selling turf. I saw talk myself. I can't now, I won't sell it now because... I could be sent to prison or a big fine and all that. That's Alan Kerrigan. He's a bog owner from Edenderry in County Offaly. He says he's now afraid of selling turf because it could be fined or jailed. However, he does think the ban on selling turf is ridiculous. It would be an absolute drastic thing on these small shops and all that. Big, big cities like Dublin or Cork, big cities like that, they don't even know what turf is. They didn't grow up with it. But I, when I was that height, my father had me in the boat catching turf. And we still love it. We, we love turf. We, we love the heat over the turf and everything. Donegal councillor Michal Colin Miguel Aspig says he thinks this new legislation will lead to an outright ban. Most people here in West Donegal, Sileltat, we rely on the turf to warm our homes. Uh, it's a step towards the banning of turf completely. I would encourage people to continue to do what they've done for generations uh, to cut turf. Uh, we have neighbours who won't have any other source of heating apart from turf. Meanwhile, the Minister for the Environment, Eamon Ryan, said he was introducing the regulations because 1,300 people die prematurely in Ireland each year from illnesses which are caused or exacerbated by air pollution from solid fuel burning. And is a Barry White there who uh, travelled across the Midlands and the west of the country yesterday to get the thoughts of people in that area, which is very similar to us here. And the big thing now, I suppose, when it comes to turf and indeed smoky coal and wet wood, uh, which were always in shops or indeed online, is that, and, and this has also come from TDs in the border areas, will we see people now crossing the border to buy turf? And also, uh, could we see a lot of the smuggling uh, with these products into Ireland as well? And that was something that was raised in the doll yesterday we'll have to wait and see as we've asked questions no one can uh, give us details uh, on, on those fines we mentioned and the jail term no one can give us details on if you go along and buy turf or indeed if you sell it are you going to be fined but even when we checked out or when Deputy Michael Collins checked out uh, no one has definite answers on that we'll wait and see for those 
And just going back to our story earlier on, this was regarding the priests in Listowel and still a lot of reaction coming in on this. Just a final few texts on this. First of all, uh, no name on this WhatsApp. The person is saying that they're sick of listening to all the sarcasm and mockery against Father Sean Sheehy. Uh, this person feels he was literally preaching the gospel and trying to save souls. I wish more priests would do the same. That's the view of one person. While Margaret says, I'm glad the Bishop of Kerry and the church apologised. He does nothing for those priests like Father Tom, or Father Tim who you had on earlier uh, because they are genuinely interested in people and realise that times have changed the church must move on we all have to move on but we do all use the church at times for weddings baptisms, mass and funerals so we have great respect for the church and the majority of priests have respect for the people. The view uh, that Father Sean he gave at the weekend is now a view of a small minority and our society but as we know the minority that shout loudest are always heard while the majority are usually quiet again good the church have come out and apologised straight away uh, rather than staying silent and I think this will show the church has moved on Uh, says Margaret also on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and finally to Kath Uh, Kath wants to know if any group now any Arsene craft group would take this I presume but Kat says I have some old used Christmas cards and I suppose uh, I'll get more shortly but any group would be interested in getting them or taking them off me says Kat so if, if anybody is out there in an arts and crafts group we have Kat's phone number you can call Bernie and we can uh, swap numbers if you're interested in old Christmas cards or if you know of some place uh, where uh, Kat can send or donate her old Christmas cards to but it's gardening we're turning our attention to next if you have a question for Peter Dodd He'll join us shortly. 0818-103-103 on the phone, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Gardener Peter Dodal joins us as usual on a Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, John Paul, on a lovely sunny Wednesday afternoon. Well, is it sunny where you are? I wish it was. We oh. can. Uh, it's, it's, the weather is so miserable. We have to. We have to try imagining. Well, I can tell you now, and I'm not lying when I say this. There's blue skies uh, over where we are at the moment here in the studios, but that could change very soon. But at the moment, it isn't too bad. But it's a changeable day, and that rain is due to come back. Not a great day though for the gardens, Peter. High wind, really high wind this morning early from around 4 a.m. It is. They are. The winds are very strong. Yeah, they don't. Hopefully, not doing too much damage yet. But. Um, it's just we're in the middle of a, a, a bad spell of weather and it's, it's forecasting, I think, well into next week that we're, we're not getting a let up from this wet and windy weather, I think. But we just have to wait and see, I suppose. Yeah, it's the rain. I mean, it's the, the level of rainfall is something they haven't seen in a while uh, across Europe. And then on the other side of that, you have the heat and the high temperatures in Spain. I mean, you've written about this and you've spoken about climate change a lot. Some say, no, it's just cycles. Have you? Do you think it could be climate change with the way we're seeing these heavy rainfalls for the last two or three weeks? at this stage. I don't think there's any question can remain with anybody that the, the, the climate is changing. Uh, whether anything can specifically be put down to climate change or not, I don't know. But I would say that um, the rain that we are seeing, not all the time, but a lot of the rain that we're seeing is so torrential and so heavy. We really did not see rain like this when I was a child. Uh, and dare I say, JP, when you were a child, which was a couple of years after me. But um, uh, like, if we saw rain that heavy when I was a child, it was literally for a couple of minutes. But now we're seeing it for, for you know, protracted maybe over a couple of hours, which is what's leading to this flooding. And I wrote a piece in the Examiner just the weekend, just gone. Uh, and it, it, well, it was it was relevant to to the city planners, to urban gardens, but also to domestic gardens. And that's the the, the whole rain garden idea. 
So what a rain garden is, like what plants need to do in Ireland and probably many other countries now as the climate is changing, we need to have plants that, that can cope with all the different weather extremes. So they would need to be, have been able to cope with the drought in July and August and now they need to, de- to, to deal with being waterlogged. Um, and by creating rain gardens, as they wrote about it in the Examiner on Saturday, you'll find it online, uh, what rain gardens do, they're not bog gardens or they're not ponds, but they, they slow the rate of water. Uh, draining into the drainage system and it's with this heavy rain what we need to do is slow down slow down the passage of water from from the sky as it goes down through our buildings through our gardens into the drainage system it's all about trying to slow it down i think if we can and we'll probably see a lot more of those so in the future if they if they say things are going to go like this for the next number of years yeah, well, hopefully we will see a lot more of them in our in our cities and towns yeah. because apart from alleviating the pl- the flooding, they're, they're not magic. They're not going to stop flooding, but they will alleviate it. Um, but apart from doing that, they're also they're gorgeous to have little pockets of planting in towns and in cities, and they're helping biodiversity. They're helping urban climate. They're doing so much. They're giving so much in terms of benefits. It's crazy that we're not looking at them. Okay, well, we'll get into the uh, real gardens now that we have at the moment here. And this first question uh, is regarding tree ferns, Peter. And this person is asking how to protect them during the frost. Now, they did hear about fern blankets, uh, but would you recommend them? Well, I don't know. The the term fern blanket is one I haven't heard, but I imagine it's much the same as what I'm going to recommend, which is tree ferns. Now, you don't have to worry about them at the moment because it's still so mild. But uh, they can be susceptible to, to very low temperatures and to frost and snow. So what you want to do, John Paul, is the, 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 the top of the stem, if you like, where the fronds emerge from, that's the vulnerable point with the tree ferns. You need to protect that. So well, you don't need to do this all winter long, but if low temperatures are coming, it's a good idea to tie up this year's fronds, which are beginning to turn brown or will turn brown after the winter. Um, tie them up, and so you've kind of created this little funnel down towards the top of the stem and you, you put a load of newspaper or something just to keep the frost away from that uh, crown from that growing tip um, and then you wrap the whole thing around wrap uh, a horticultural fleece is what you use uh, which is probably what they're talking about with the fern blanket so you wrap this horticultural fleece then around the outside of it and it does protect it um, but I wouldn't necessarily do it all winter long but just if low temperatures are coming and uh, this person has an umbrella plant, Peter. Now, it's in her house and she's had it for about 10 years. She was told recently that it's not good for health to have it in the living room of the house. Uh, any idea, Peter, about that? Well, I'd be interested to hear why not. Um, I'm, I'm very I'm very slow to come down and definitely say that's wrong. But in this instance, I think I nearly would. But I, so I would like to hear why the person said it's bad for your health. Um I'm a huge proponent of indoor plants in terms of air quality. I mean, they're amongst the best air filters we can get. Now, uh, they're not amongst the best air filters we can get. They are the best air filters we can get because they, they take the harmful stuff out of the air and in turn they give us back fresh oxygen. Now, some people, and it may have come from this, that uh, plants go through, they photosynthesize, as you know, during daylight hours and they give off fresh fresh oxygen. But uh, there there is a period where they respire uh, and the rest, when they're when they're respiring, they they actually become net CO two emitters as opposed to oxygen. But it's it's negligible. It's not a harmful amount or anything like that. Um, 
it may be from that that they're saying that they're damaging to the health, but it, it's far from it. I would say absolutely far from it. Okay, and I don't know if you got the WhatsApp pictures uh, that this listener sent in, uh, but they have begonias in pots. She wants to know, how do I save them for next year, Peter? I also have little shoe fly plants and I would like to save these as well. Now, I don't have a greenhouse and should I tuck them under a shrub or what would you recommend, Peter? Well, sorry, John Paul, what was the second plant that she The said? second plant she has, it's called a shoe fly plant is what she calls it shoe fly plant well I'm not familiar with the term shoe fly plant but with the begonias and unfortunately no I didn't see your photograph um, but if it's the tuberous begonias which I imagine it is which are the ones that are still in, in flower uh, at the moment and they're the kind of big really really big double flowers they're really um, fantastic looking plants still in in, in full flower in my garden anyway even though we're in November um, so what will happen with them when the temperatures drop the foliage and flower above the ground will go brown and will die off but um, what you want to do then is lift the tuber out of the ground. So lift the tuber out, uh, store it like you would with dahlias and things. So just wrap it in a bit of, let it dry out a bit first, then wrap it in some brown paper or old newspaper and just keep it like your garden shed somewhere cool and dry until planting out next spring. Um, and and it, it, that's if it's the tuberous. If it's the fibrous rooting ones, which are the very, very small flowers, masses of tiny little flowers, well, they really are just an annual um, so uh, there's nothing really you can do with them they, they're not going to come on but the tuberous ones should and I just had a quick search as we were talking for the, the shoe fly plant and it's uh, it's the nicandra nicandra for the load is but that, that's um, that's an annual so that's not going to come back next year but what you could do is um, is try collecting the seed from, from the nicandra and they, that should come quite well Okay and Maureen is in Waterfall now she wants to know first of all if she can cut back her roses now you can cut back your roses now, but I'd be kind of of the opinion as to why would you? Because they're looking still so well at the moment. Um, now, maybe hers aren't. Maybe they're, they're showing signs of the rain damage. But roses are in full bloom. I was in, in a garden just yesterday uh, giving a bit of advice to, to the people, and I was looking at the roses, and they, they don't look just like a couple of straggly winter flowers. They look as good as they did in the summer, uh, and not a hint of... of die back even on the leaves yet the leaves were, were, were fully green uh, and my own roses in my own garden there's still not a huge amount of colour but there is some colour in them so I'm certainly going to leave them flower away uh, I've given them a trim of course but um, I, I probably wouldn't cut them back hard uh, until um, end of February really the, the other side of the winter before I cut them back hard but you would want to have them cut back before the end of February early March but any time really between now and then and Maureen also has uh, poison ivy. Now it's growing at the root of her camellia and she would like some advice, Peter, from you on how to kill it or should she just leave it alone? Well, if she's got poison ivy, we're in trouble because it, 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 it's a notifiable plant. I think you can only grow poison ivy under licence in Ireland. So I need to see a picture of that to be sure. Uh, but if you think it's poison ivy, I certainly wouldn't go anywhere near it. Um, but but I, I suspect it could not, it may not be. I suspect maybe it's just ivy. Uh, but maybe send us in a picture just to be sure before I even attempt to answer that one. Okay, and you can send that picture in, Maureen, if you can, uh, either by WhatsApp, 0862103103, or email uh, corktoday at c103.ie. And then uh, back to WhatsApp, where a person is asking you, Peter, what can I do with silver penny seeds that I have collected? Can I set them now? Silver penny seeds, it's another one. I mean, I don't know that one, but just to go back just a second, just to the poison ivy one, if you do suspect it's poison ivy, but I, I hope it's not, don't touch it, don't go anywhere near it, uh, just to reiterate that. 
Um, but, but do send us in a picture of it and we, we'll have a look at it. Uh, Silver Penny, I just don't know it by that name. But just Oh, sorry, just again, a, a quick search online. It's a, a Lunaria, or Honesty is what we call it. So she said she collected the seeds and she was asking what to do with the seeds. Yeah, exactly, that's it. Yeah, well, you could start the seeds off now, in fact, in a, a tray of compost indoors, uh, but I probably, realistically, I probably wait myself until next spring, kind of February, March, start them off in a, a seed tray f- filled with compost, um, damp compost. They'll germinate relatively easy. They're what's called a biennial JP, which means that they'll complete their life cycle in two years. So they're flower in year two, but they're the most gorgeous purple flower. You can get them in white as well, but normally purple. Uh, and it's the seed heads, which, of course, now that I see it, I can see where the, the term seed, uh, silver penny, comes from. Um, uh, the, the the seed heads are this lovely kind of papery, like a silver penny. <laughs> and they're lovely. They're every bit as lovely to look at as the flowers. Yeah, I see a picture here. They are actually. Uh, they, you see them now. No, I haven't seen them as much uh, in the last few years, but they were very popular when we were growing up. Maybe, I don't know if they're it's still as popular, but they were a, a popular garden plant, weren't they, at the time? They were, and they were they were a, a wild, I don't know, I think they're native, but they were certainly a naturalised yeah. wildflower in Ireland. But again, like, like so many of them, you don't see it occurring in the wild much anymore. Now, uh, this is Trace who wants to know when or how can she cut back Alstroemeria? Well, Alstroemeria, again, are probably still flowering, so I'd be in no rush. Now, these are they're different than the roses. Uh, the Alstroemerias are, are a, a herbaceous plant, herbaceous perennial. So all that means, JP, is that the term herbaceous just means something that will die back for the winter. So in effect, every bit of it that's overground will, will, will die off for the winter to go brown. And you really don't need to do anything until that happens. And when that happens, you still don't need to do anything. It couldn't be much easier. Uh, but for tidiness, you might just want to clean it up and, and throw, throw it into the compost bin. Uh, and all the energy, all the magic in that plant will go underground then for the winter uh, and go to sleep, if you like. It will become dormant and then it will go again all on its own in the spring. So really, very little to do with the Alstrom area. OK. And Julia wants to know, Peter, are the pot mums that you can buy in the shops, are they suitable for planting outside? And also, do you think they could or will survive the winter? Yes and no. <laughs> yes, yes, they are suitable for planting outside, but only temporarily. Uh, those pot mums, they're a type of chrysanthemum, and they will uh, they give great colour. Now, unfortunately, the, the heavy rain will put pay to them. But they're a very popular plant in Europe, particularly during this month of November, actually, and visiting graves. It's, it's very um, popular plant to, to, to put on graves across many countries in Europe. Not so much here, but it's a gorgeous plant nonetheless. But I would really just use it outside as um, a temporary shot of colour, if you know what I mean. If you give colour for six or eight weeks outside, maybe in a pot by the door or something like that. Uh, so that's the yes bit, if you want. If you like, you can put it outside. Would I be confident that it'll come back next year if left outside? No, I wouldn't. And certainly not to anything like the, the quality of what you get when you buy it yeah. so I would bring it in for the winter if you wanted to be sure and Liz if you have any advice for her she doesn't know what the tree is called but they're uh, tropical trees she's calling them in her garden That they're quite popular in coastal areas of Cork Peter you might be familiar with the ones but this morning due to the winds uh, half of it has cracked now will it grow or what can she do because it looks a bit unsightly now for her don't know which one we're talking about obviously but do send a photograph in 
and I'll have a look at it. Uh, but the answer to the question is, I would suspect it probably will grow back. Nature is amazing, so I suspect it will grow back all on its own. But I can't say that with any degree of certainty without seeing it. But So send us in a photograph and I'll certainly have a look for you. Very good. And, and she just, uh, the one she's talking about, she described it here on WhatsApp. You know, they, they look, they're kind of spiky. They're, they're common enough in, in, in most gardens. It's probably it's, a cordyline, so perhaps. Maybe, yeah, 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 maybe, yeah. yeah. yeah in those. which case, yes, it will. I would say yes, it will. Now, you, you, if it's cracked, you would probably want to give the, the, the where it has cracked clean up that cut if you know what I mean so mm-hmm. with, with, with a saw if necessary or a secretary depending on the size of it um, or loppers make sure that cut is clean it's a bit like ourselves if we have a dirty ragged cut it's far more likely infection is going to get in whereas if you can give it a clean cut um, just one clean cut it, it, it should callous over much better Okay Peter thank you for that are you, are you still out and about doing talks or are you back I, in the I, TV I, world I, yet? I, I'm back in the TV world oh, yeah, yeah back in the today show every week but uh, back in, in the real world too of, of, <laughs> of looking at gardens in this lovely yeah. weather <laughs> and that's the joys of it isn't it? The joys of it is right JP we'll, Very good. we'll talk to you next week We'll chat to you next week Peter thank you for that that is Peter Dowdall of theirishgardener.com and you will catch him on Facebook or Instagram just search The Irish Gardener on the burning of turf final few comments in on that first of all someone's saying how many people die each year from cigarette smoking and why doesn't Eamon Ryan ban the sale of them why because the government make money from cigarettes what a farce of a country says that person on text also uh, someone saying people are dying at home from the cold uh, but the government are blaming smoking for their deaths while jury in Glanton uh, jury says that this is just scaremongering from Eamon Ryan to say people die from air pollution every year he is no proof of the government he feels jury feels they're all running scared of the greens the government is not doing the job that they were elected to do while uh, this is Eamon on Texas saying whatever about our own politicians look at the UK and this is where the former British Health Secretary Matt Hancock he's been criticised and also suspended from the Parliamentary Conservative Party because where is he off to? The jungle uh, he's off to join I'm a Celebrity so uh, yeah, politicians everywhere. It's got a bit mad, hasn't it? Anyhow, that's it from us for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy your afternoon. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.